we all fall into just starting it and and then kind of realizing after a while we should have measured it. But if yeah. you start every project with that discipline up front, that is really helpful because what gets measured can be managed, as they say. Smart e-commerce operators know that net profit is the lifeblood of a business, but at a small and profitable business than a large one which earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook by Jason Miles gives you 17 specific proven profit-taking actions. For a limited time, we are sharing this valuable resource with our listeners completely free. Download your 60-page workbook and start making your business more profitable today. Just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That's theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. Let's jump in. Deciding when to kill an internal project, side hustle, or shiny object effort can be a really hard decision. And in this episode, we're going to explore five powerful questions that we all can use when we're having to make these hard choices. And so, Michael, have you ever had a shiny object project or side hustle that you've thought about killing? And is this topic possibly helpful to you? Yeah, I think it is. I definitely had them and not had to, not just thought about killing, but actually had to kill them and, and definitely had clients in the same position recently. And actually often clients who haven't had to kill a project they're attached to, but my advice has always been begging them to do so, not because it was so terrible, but because there were other things they were doing that were clearly working much better. So many, many things to discuss here. It's one of the master skills of business. So an excellent topic, I think. Are you saying that you're the grim reaper in your clients' lives? In terms of their shiny objects? Sometimes. Sometimes I'm the opposite. Sometimes I'm like, dude, this is working really well. Why don't you double down on this? So I, it's yeah. just a question of allocation of, of capital and effort and focus. Mm -hmm. Particularly focus. And we're all guilty. And you know, we, we nearly talked about Alex Hormozzi's launch of his book recently. I watched an Alex Hormozzi video yesterday, which is just really good. A lot of common sense. And one of the things is, look, if you want to grow this thing over here, you need to kill these five possible things over here. And there, there is a mm -hmm. huge amount in that. So... It's yeah. very positive as well as sometimes forced upon us. So it could be either, but it's, it's still a key skill, I think. Yeah, sure. Well, the reason the topic came to my mind was twofold. This week, we were working with a client in one regard related to a, a project. And it was interesting to think about and, and uh, ponder with them. And then we are also doing some internal work in terms of evaluating one of our OmniRocket projects. And so as it relates to the client story, they basically, we built their Shopify site for them for this new project about a year ago. I think it was even maybe like 15 months ago. And, and, and we, they have other Shopify sites that we have built and, and managed for them. But this one just languished. It was just one of those ideas that we built a site around and the site was fine. And, but it, they just had, they had this challenge where, um, good idea. But it just didn't go anywhere. And so probably a year on, the internal decision and thinking and activities kind of started to kick in. And it and and interestingly enough, it started to catch fire a little bit. And I think now we're maybe three months in. 
to the launch, I guess you could say the, the, the real launch of the effort. And it is absolutely on fire. And every week we review with the client how it's going on the various Shopify sites that we, we help them on. And in this, this one is just sort of the bell of the ball right now. It's like, what in the world is happening? This new idea that's 15 months old, technically, is just firing on all cylinders and new momentum, new energy, new enthusiasm is swirling around this new, this new, this new site and a part of their business. And, and so that was really interesting to me to observe. And, and so it kind of prompted this thinking, like, how long do you wait for, you know, a project? And that led us to these five questions that we're going to talk about today in this conversation. These are fantastic questions that I think all of us can ask and answer as it relates to evaluating um, internal projects. You might call them a side hustle or a shiny object, depending on how big your business is or kind of how you think about these things. It's, I think you all probably get the point of what I'm trying to describe. It's not the main thing. It's a side thing to the main thing. And you're hoping it can be meaningful and do something valuable for your business. But it's clearly in second, third or fourth place, mentally, emotionally, financially. Right. So that's what prompts these five questions. Yeah. So I guess you, you just asked the key question, one of the key questions that I think we haven't got in the rest of the outline, which is how long do you give a project before you abandon it, turn it off, kill it, whatever word you want to give it? And mm -hmm. what's your feeling about this? Just the basic timing of it all. Yeah. When do you mm -hmm. review how or long? evaluate? Yeah. Yeah. I On think the main, the main, yeah, it's the first obvious question. I think the main thing is just set a timeline. Like, I'm not sure what the right length of the timeline is, but I know it's wise to have a timeline. Maybe it's three months, maybe it's a year. But I know that one thing, it's true in my own life and my business, and I've seen it true in clients' lives. If you don't set a timetable by which you will thoroughly and honestly evaluate the side hustle, then it's going to just probably wither on the vine and, or, or you'll just continue to plow money and effort into it and, and, and feel the increasing pain of it until you're forced to evaluate it. But I, I do think that that's probably the main thing is just give yourself at the beginning a timeline. And I don't know if it's a Chinese proverb or something like that is before you start a game, always know two or three things. And one of them is when you're ending, when, when the game is over, how it's, how it ends. And I think that's a wise uh, thing to add at the very beginning of these projects. Yeah, I think this is good stuff. I, I think that as well as the timeline, I'd set a, a project. So this is a budget, sorry, for a project. So this is one of the things that Seth goes and talks about in, I can't remember where it is. It's somewhere online. We'll put links in the show notes over at the ecommerceleader.com, folks, if you're listening for that. But he says, look, it, it, rather like you, it doesn't really matter what time you give it, as long as you have a cutoff date and a cutoff budget as well. So you're going to spend 10,000, sure. 100,000, mm -hmm. 10 million, whatever, and you're going to give it 18 months, three years, whatever. And then after that, you're going to say, okay, this has not worked. We're stopping this. Now, yeah, the other that's thing the I other way is, to... Yeah, yeah go sorry. ahead. For, yeah. I was going to say, I, I would also say it's good to set some milestones. Um, but I think it's really important when you're setting milestones not to copy what the big boys do when the, the venture capital-backed startups like Uber or the, the latest AI startup one born every minute. Mm -hmm. They have a different way of operating. If you're running an e-commerce business that's selling widgets on a Shopify or Amazon platform, you're not doing anything that radical. So you have to have more sensible milestones. But 
you probably would look at traffic. Are you getting any kind of traction for your mm -hmm. your marketing efforts? Is it paid advertising, but particularly if it's uh, SEO, there's going to be a realistic time frame for that. How long does SEO take? Yeah. I don't know, 12 months, 18 months. If it's, it's paid traffic, it's going to be pretty quick. Are you getting leads? Are you getting revenue? Are you getting uh, profit? Or at least are you getting to break even in terms of cash flow? So those sort of key financial metrics latterly and then in the first place, marketing metrics. I think you've got to attach those to some dates to get a bit of yep. a reality check, yep. which isn't quite as brutal as turn it off or turn it on, but it is certainly, are we on track or is this looking like we may have to turn it off? Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. Yeah, I, I like the emphasis on the budget side too. I guess where my mind usually goes is on the time side and the effort side, not the budget side, because so many of these purported awesome strategies, the shiny objects that were like, oh, we could start doing this. So many of them are low barrier to entry financially. It's really just in some ways about setting up a new process or doing a new platform, a new new effort. And so I, my mind always goes to how long have I been doing it and am I seeing fruit from it or whatever. But you're right to point out a hard mathematical look at how much money you've spent and at what point you're saying this is as much as I'm going to spend without a, a good ROI is important. But this, I think, those ideas lead us to the first question, which was probably the right place to jump in here on the five. So, okay. So and that question, that question. <laughs> yeah. So the first question is, what is the project's cost, including opportunity cost? So that sort of tees up the idea nicely. So are you ignoring the ugly truth of the math? The other project this week that I mentioned was an internal project. And one of the things that we did simply just ask ourselves the question, how much have we spent on this in the last three years as part of the evaluation? And we didn't even know. It's like you have these ongoing expenses that start to just layer themselves into your your monthly budget and your P&L. And you, you don't ever look back necessarily if it's not like a big, big issue. So we had this opportunity this week. And so we looked back at one of the projects we've been working on for three years. And as it happens, we've lost $60,000 doing this this idea, <laughs> let's call it. And so $60,000 that if we wouldn't have done anything would have been straight into our pocket, but that's not even including opportunity cost on both the 60 grand we could have spent some other place if we wanted to spend it. Oh, and also all the time that we plowed into the, the idea. And so opportunity cost is a big deal, but just the base math is also very, very important to look at. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I think it's extremely easy to do that. And it's a pain to set up uh, cost tracking separately for each project. But I think it's a pain that's worthwhile because uh, $60,000 is not chump change for most of us. And if it takes you a bit of work and a few hundred dollars worth of, of work with a bookkeeper and accountant to set things up, 
the right way, I, I think it's really worth it. I mean, one thing I, I've just covered with working with my accountant in QuickBooks Online, turns out you can use, I can't remember what the word is because I don't use it that often personally. I leave to the accountants and bookkeepers to do their stuff, but it's something like a category or whatever. And you can basically set mm -hmm. it up so it's quite easy to break down the cost. Uh, class is the word they classes. use. Classes. You know, yeah, classes. Class. Yeah. And, and there'll be an equivalent on zero or whatever. And you can use that to quite quickly then get a report that's unique to just that class. And you can see the, the, the revenue and the things broken down by that. Of course, that will only work if you allocate your expenses and your revenues and whatever else to that particular class consistently. So I think it's important to set that up in advance. So you try and make sure you're measuring in advance. And it's easy to say that, I, you know, we all fall into just starting it and, and then kind of realizing after a while we should have measured it. But if yeah. you start every project with that discipline up front, that is really helpful because what gets measured can be managed, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. The classes uh, view of your P&L is really super valuable. We have our um, books done that way so that we have a consult, what you might call a consolidated a corporate P&L that we look at. That's your income statement that you, you see the top line uh, revenues and then you see the expenses and you see your profit. But we also have a view of that by our classes. And so for us, that would be like, coaching, done for you services, events, books like that. So we can see for, for every one of our efforts, what the, what the reality looks like. And so it was pretty simple for us to aggregate the information back three years. Cause we just looked yeah. for the three years for that, you know, that topic I'm referencing and, and then, and then there we could see it. Oh, well, we only lost $13,000 this year. If you had up the last three years. That's a big number. So yeah. that's the idea. And you're right. Good bookkeeping is a cornerstone of being able to do that work efficiently and, and quickly. And, and so there you have it. So that's the first question. I think it's a really powerful question. I think just doing that level of analysis will prompt many people to ask the hard question, is it time to kill this shiny object or this project? But there are four other questions we can ask. So the second question on our list here is, is the project aligned? with your strategy, your corporate strategy or your business strategy, however you want to you know, articulate that, or with your mission or, or purpose, I guess you could say, of your business. And I think this is the biggest question of all, because you know, as we were evaluating that $60,000 loss project this week, this was where our minds immediately went. It wasn't, can we endure the $60,000 of loss over three years? Obviously, anybody like a CFO would say, you shouldn't <laughs> once you endure that. But that wasn't really where our minds immediately went. I mean, I think as soon as we saw the number, we were like, no, we don't want to be blowing $60,000 over three years on a project. But the bigger question immediately unfolded, which was, does it really align? Is it, is it proving itself that it aligns? Has it, has it demonstrated to us that it aligns with our, our big goals? And, and the big question is, is this shiny object or this new special project adding energy, health, and success to our main thing? Or is it competing with our main thing? Because nobody starts a shiny object thinking, this is going to completely distract me and be a total waste of time and energy and really dilute my energy around the how I make my money. Nobody would ever start a shiny object like that. They always think in some way it's additive, accretive, it'll, it'll be helpful, beneficial to their overall business. That That's the thesis we all go to when we start a special project. And so then that part of the evaluation, therefore, has to be, has that been proven true? Or is it just, frankly, a completely different thing that needs to be 
ended, handed off, shut down, sold, whatever. Yeah, I really agree with this thing. There's something peculiarly, we're peculiarly prone to it in the online space, just basically because if you go on YouTube, for example, I was on YouTube watching a video about business buying from one of the people that I follow, Carl Allen. I've actually got a course of his, very good. But before I saw that, there was some advert by some guy that I follow who I admire in terms of social media marketing. And before I know it, I'm looking at some video that he's seeing and, and getting tempted. And I was thinking, what am I doing? It's very easy to do that. Maybe I'm more prone to it than others, but I'm not the only person out there. And again, Alex Hormozzi, not to hop on about him, but he's so good on simple and yet powerful business strategy. But he was saying, here's a slide showing the difference between the small business and the big business. The small business had a load of arrows pointing in randomly different directions. And the big business had a load of arrows, all of which pointed in the same direction. And yeah. I think that's that alignment piece is really underrated because I think that if you have a side project that succeeds, but is not big enough to really pivot your business, that can be the worst possible thing for your business because it goes in this direction and your main business is going the opposite direction. Now you're being pulled in two directions. Your money is going in two directions. Yeah. Your focus is going in two directions. So yeah. I think alignment is, is absolutely critical. I totally agree. And it sounds like we're both totally nerding out over the Alex Hormozzi book launch stuff. So we need to do an episode on that where we, we can compare do that. Yeah. To, <laughs> to talk about that. It's not so much the, the book launch is, is what he actually, weirdly enough, he, he would put together some seminar, I guess it's part of the publicity and his yeah. book launch, but he, he said, I know reason to disbelieve him that he went out for beers or whatever with the guys who were on his seminar the night before and realized that they needed a completely different input from him. So he rewrote it. So I think it was his response to what he was perceiving yeah, small yeah. business owners and entrepreneurs were doing mm -hmm. and the corrective actions that were needed. So this is to this point, I think that I see the same thing. I mean, it's so easy to see in other people's businesses and hard to see in your own, isn't it? We get so yeah. seduced by those objects that we do need that corrective. And yeah, yeah. I think Mr. we fool Lyman ourselves, don't we? We do. We, we yeah. talk ourselves into it and we are so good at that. Like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. Like, really? Nine people you mentioned it to said it doesn't make any sense, but you didn't listen yeah. to them because they were being yeah. too polite. But anyway, okay. So that's question two. Question three. Just before we move on, a couple of sure, ways, sure. mechanisms to correct some of this stuff. One is we, we mentioned about profit and loss measuring by class. I think a simple thing is if you've got a new project, you've got not only commit to a certain time frame and a, a certain budget, but you've got to set milestones. Well, it's no good setting them up front if you don't check whether you're hitting them. So I think you've got to commit and preferably just put in the diary in advance after three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever it is, monthly, maybe if it's a bigger project, you're going to review those finances. And I think yeah. connected with that, yeah. you, you've really got to think about, could you pitch this to an external investor? And it sounds like it makes sense as an aligned business. Or does it sound like you're doing a bit of this and a bit of that? If you can't pitch it to somebody, and one test is go and pitch it. <laughs> if they just look at you and go, well, that's not a business, is it really? I mean, why, why are you doing this thing over here when you normally do this thing there? And, and if you get a few of those responses, that's a bit of an external reality check. So I think having those sort of reality checkpoints built in is important, is what I'm saying. Yeah, totally agree. Yep, love it. Thanks for listening to today's show, folks. Uh, as ever, we have dealt with a number of awkward topics, but really important leadership decisions on the e-commerce leader. And today is no exception. Should you quit your side hustle? When should you cut your special project? Um, so a lot of those awkward payoffs that you've got to think about, setting a timetable, um, setting a budget. What's the project cost, including the opportunity cost? That's stuff you haven't done instead of the product itself. And by the way, I think that's really a, a very real thing. And that's by far the biggest thing. Once you look over a, a several year, 10 years period, you definitely find that in my experience. 
And the other question is, is the project aligned with where your business is going, your corporate strategy, if you want to put it that way? These are really, really important questions. And I would say reality checks, like um, having a regular meeting and even trying to talk to external investors is really important. And by the way, if you're a solopreneur, you've still got external investors, your wife, husband, mother, daughter, son, whoever's involved in your financial life and your time usage has definitely got opinions. And if you don't have the courage to talk about it and explain and justify to your spouse or significant other why your business isn't making money now, but why it will in future, then I would suggest you're not really being honest with yourself. So there's always an external investor, I would say. So um, go talk to them and um, be realistic about this stuff. It's tough. But the great news, I would say, just to conclude today's episode is that on the other side of cutting things is uh, freeing up time and money to do other things that are going to work better for you. So it's a very, very positive decision. It's just tough at the time. That's what I would say. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. As ever, a couple of places you want to go, particularly for things like this, if you want to get some advice from Jason and Kyle over at OmniRocket, just go to www.omnirocket.com. That's O-M for mother, N for November, I, omnirocket.com. Or you can get an audit on your Amazon-focused business, if that's you, from me, if you think that that's where you possibly need to cut something. Just go to myamazonaudit.com. That's M-Y-Amazonaudit, A-U-D-I-T, Patango.com, to book in a consultation there. And we can see if we can get you out of the slough, despond, make a decision, and then move on with the rest of your life into greater things. Thanks for listening as ever. Speak to you in the next show. Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That was the E-Commerce Leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our website, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, product, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.theecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening.